You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back. We are back. Uh, so I was, when we left off the last podcast, I was just on my way out to Vegas. I mean, you were essentially running out the door. Yeah, <laughs> super excited. The trip has, I will say this, the beginning of the trip was really a fun. Uh, as I, the trip went on, not so much, and it had nothing to do with poker, uh, just me getting sick. But at the beginning of it, very, uh, very good time. I fly in there that night, and, you know, it's usually not my first place I want to play. I know we only say, like, I go to Caesars almost every time on the first time. Uh, ended up going to Horseshoe, where I was staying. So the WSOP is at Horseshoe in Paris, as I'm sure everybody and their brother knows. Uh, was, I was staying at Horseshoe, so just go down to their poker room, basically because it's been remodeled, and it's basically the closest thing to a new poker room for me. What was your first impressions whenever you showed up? Because you went in the middle of the night, right? I, mean, I guess you went early enough where it wouldn't be the middle of the night, but... Not quite the middle of the night. Uh, so uh, the first impressions are... So Bally's always considered kind of run down and kind of not that nice. It's very much improved on what it was. I still say it's not anything like Caesar's Palace or like their higher-end properties, but it's definitely way nicer than what it was. Uh, the Hall of Fame poker room, uh, done really nice. If you've gone to Alaka Pri, you can tell, like, when because they made that the horseshoe, there's a lot of similarities. Right, you're talking about the one in Louisiana now. Yeah. So, like I say, it's gone from a place that I kind of avoided to a place that it wouldn't be in my top, but it wouldn't be a place I avoid anymore either. So, very, uh, very good. Uh, I end up going to a game that's fairly decent. There's a lot of limping, a lot of calling, and everything like that. Uh, I'm kind of card dead, though. I had one kind of interesting hand. Uh, I end up having ace-jack of clubs. There's a straddle about half the time. There's What stakes are you playing in this game? Because I know um, you were talking about jumping around, but you normally start off at 1-3, one, 1-2 one, um, in the beginning of the trips. So this is weird. Horseshoe does their, their uh, limits a little bit different. This is actually a 2-3 game. All right. So is the straddle to 10? The straddle would be to 6. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Pretty much all the straddles, uh, if it's not 2-5, it's uh, to 6. Actually, for the entire trip, I think. Uh, so it's a straddle and a call. I make it 30 with ace-jack of clubs. There's one call. The flop is 10 high. I bet 25. Kind of what I've been just my kind of go-to when I'm not real, not real certain on what to do here. Uh, it's about a third pot size bet. He calls. The turn is a three. Okay, so let's go over the board one more time. 
And I am out of position in this uh, hand. I do remember that, too. Uh, the f- I have ace-jack of clubs. The flop is 10 high. Just complete break. No clubs, no club hopes, and just... Uh, I think there might have been one club, but it didn't uh, arrive on the turn. Uh, so, the t- on the turn three, I check, he checks back to me. The river's a queen. I think I'm just stabbing at this. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I actually had a pretty uh, big uh, conversation on Discord. Uh, uh, thinking I thought this was a kind of a no-brainer, like, go at it. Once he shows weakness on the turn, once the queen hits the river, and I think it hits my range a lot better than it hits his, uh, I thought this was just something you do all day. Well, the disaster is if he calls with, like, fourth pair or something, and then, sorry, not call, but you check and he just checks behind, right? That's that's a disaster. Whenever you, whenever you river a card that hits you range dead in the face, right? Yeah, that was exactly my thought. Like, once he shows weakness on that turn, I feel like I can get this through a good amount of time. And here's my thought on this bet. I don't even like that big of a bet. Um, I think a big bet will work the same as a small bet. I think you're going to get him to fold that kind of middling bottom tier hands, like um, fourth and fifth pair. So I think maybe like half pot or just over half pot. Uh, Yeah, I bet 75, just over half pot. I like. I think this is perfect. Uh, and he tank calls. Well, did you win? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not. Uh, so I, I'm, uh, let me see. I'm trying to think of the exact flop. It was like ten seven five or something like that. Uh, I think he had like a middle pair. I the the end brought a straight. I remember that. And jack nine would have been a straight i uh i have the i have a jack blocking a straight i kind of think this is just overdone by people because okay you're blocking the nuts i mean a lot of people are calling with way less than that so but a lot of people like on discord i know were saying that sometimes you have a straight draw that it would be a busted straight draw and you would actually have showdown value here so it, I guess it's close, but I thought it was a pretty. I thought it was a decent time for a bluff. Yeah, I I liked it. Um, did what did he end up having? You just had just middle pair. I think he had like middle pair. He had like a seven or something that uh, paired on the flop. So, I mean, good call by that guy. I guess. I it's, guess. I mean, I, I put it on this. I think I'm gonna have way more value than I do have bluffs here. So if you're calling here, I think it's just a good. I mean, you know, on the times where I actually have value, I'm just getting value there. So I don't think it's that bad of an, a deal. Well, here's the other thought that I'm thinking is if you're that guy, right? We always say this all the time mm-hmm. that like, it, I mean, even though this does hit your range, right? Um, if you just river a random queen on me, a lot of times that's a good hero calling spot too. Like, that's fair. Right, it's kind of both kind of both ends on that. So I was kind of thinking from his point of view that I might too find a hero call there sometimes, but I don't know if it's a positive EV call. That's that's a very fair point cuz once this check this turn goes check check, I probably don't have too many overcards here. Well, it is kind of starting to straighten out. I guess I do sometimes uh check uh, some overpairs, but I probably more often than not don't have overpairs. And then I probably more often than not don't have a 10. So, I mean, 
basically I kind of just representing this random queen that hits. Once you the, I think you make a really solid point there. Well, because my whole thought was like, the queen does hit your range, but at the same point, it's kind of a tough story to sell randomly, right? I mean, it's not out of nowhere, but at the same point, I can see him making this call. That's a that's a very fair point. It's a uh, look. I've started just to kind of attack, and I do think this is kind of a profitable strategy at like the lower limits. Uh, if they show weakness and I don't have that much showdown value, I just kind of attack. But you are right. That's from his perspective. That is kind of a good time to, time to call. And you know, it's funny who who taught me about making these hero calls is you <laughs> about about this being a good hero call spot because a lot of time. I would fold that hand, and then you would tell me, like, well, you know, what are the chances that you just hit a random queen on the river? I'm going to have to see it. You say that a lot, um, and a lot of times you're right. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I, I do agree with that, and which makes sense because I'm starting I'm really agreeing with everything you're saying on this <laughs> hand, too. It's like, because you came up with the strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's biting me in the ass. Uh, that first night, I dropped uh, 400 at the horseshoe. Uh Mostly just kind of missing hands. Uh, that was the only interesting hand where it was a bluff that kind of didn't do well. Uh, I did get it all in. Was well, someone who called me a very weird hand? I'm trying to remember. Uh, he called me with. I think I jammed preflop, and he called me with like pocket fours or. That was threes. I'm pretty sure you told me about this hand. No, yeah, that's right. I jammed the flop, and he called me with pocket threes. I think I was uh, open-ended with two overs, and it was like a very weird. Like I think I had like pocket eights. No, I don't know what I had, but uh, I, I will. We'll we'll say this. At horseshoe lost four hundred that night. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm. see, doesn't matter what you had. His pocket threes good. Yeah, it was a. Uh, so that was not the best start to the trip, but. It's a long trip. I didn't really have any issues with that. It's uh, The next day, I was on a Wednesday, and I was going to... I went to Caesars uh, in Las Vegas. One of my favorite rooms. What I consider almost always the most underrated room, in my opinion. Uh, I only... I have a good time there almost all the time. This was just card deadness, and I mean, I was just folding and just kind of just losing just not doing much of anything for this this uh this session finally i get king 10 of hearts and i raise to 15 there's three that call the flop is ace deuce three with two hearts so i flop the nut flush draw player donks 60 dollars into me this is kind of a weird. I have about 200 behind. What do you do here? Okay, so is there anyone behind? How many people are in this hand? Uh, Let me see. Three calls. So there were four to the flop. And he donks 60 and it's on you now? Yeah. So no action behind you. I think one folded and I think one was behind me. Is this just a fold? I mean, are we not deep enough to make this call? Because, I mean, you're obviously talking about jamming it, but you're definitely jamming it with the worst hand, right? Ace high. 
Uh, yeah, King High. I mean, definitely. Well, yeah, you're definitely jamming with the worst hand. I mean, if he calls, you definitely are not. Right, and you're going to win this 36% of the time? Yeah. I don't know. This seems super tough. Uh, I would love it if someone had called before you, give you some better um, implied odds, but um, I think this is a fold. So... I I can definitely see the argument there. I'm not even certain it's not the right argument. Well, uh, again, this is an argument that I used to do this all the time, and you were like, well, you're just jamming um, with a hand that you're definitely behind with, with no implied odds. That's, you know, because I, I would used to do this quite a bit and would keep wondering why I get stung, and then you kind of were telling me that you don't think that's the best option. I think with my stack here, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you're deeper, I think this is just a call. Yes, definitely. Uh, when I have 200 behind, it's very... My theory here was I was the preflop raiser. I have most the best aces here. So I'm, I ended up jamming for 200. He does call. He has an ace. Uh, I spike a hard on the turn. I think it is close here just because... So I'm about 36% to win. Let's say there was 15 and 3 call. There was 60 to the flop. Uh, he donked 60 to me. So it's not like I have to get exactly heads up. I mean, heads up, uh, you know, 50-50 odds here. There is about $60 I'm getting out of this. We'll call it bonus money. Yeah. <laughs> So it's 200 to win his one, 140 plus his 60 and the other 60 in the pot. I think when I was doing this back, I probably did not have enough. But if there is any fold equity whatsoever, probably not here. I was about to say that's super thin. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're definitely not wrong there. Uh so I ended up winning this hand, and like it's one of those that I'm not certain I played it that great. But when in a card on a session where I was just card dead as hell and everything, and then he's he started kind of talking. He's like, "Well, you did that on a draw." I'm like, "Yeah." Um, <laughs> well, I mean, here's the other thing: is like I think the spot is close enough to where I I don't want to, maybe not break even, but definitely not a disaster either way. This is something you might hate here. This is probably the more interesting part of this is this is kind of a hit and run because like about four or five hands later i've been playing for like two hours uh i'm up 165 and i just end up taking the money and running i mean i don't know i've been hit and run on i mean so often this last few weeks that i mean i'm just i don't even know I, well i mean i don't want to say i'm numb to it but i'm happy to see you doing it maybe instead of it happening to me over and over again when we talk about it well, it wasn't the attention, but it was one of those things where I was going to go and uh, see uh, Treasure uh, Gillies over at Treasure Island. I just wanted to see what it was like. I had other things I wanted to do on this trip, and it was kind of getting that time where I needed to go and take a look if I was going to check it out. And then I was like, well, I, I guess I can stay like an extra 30 or 40 minutes or whatever. But And then when he's like started talking shit a little bit, I'm like, why? Yeah. I mean, I could just you know, box this up, call it good, and, you know, have $165 more, you know, made up towards my trip. So, 
I've ended up doing that. That's not something I do very often. Usually I'm more, if I'm, if I hit something big, I'm going to stay there, you know, and give a little bit of a chance to win it back. But on the fact that I was going to, I was really planning on leaving anyways. And, you know, he made the comment. I was like, well, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do what I was going to do regardless. So yeah, don't mind that at all. And, um, I think I talked to Jonathan little about this one time on Instagram talk, asking him when's a good time to leave. And his response was, you can leave whenever you want. Cause you can't stay at the poker table forever. So if you want to leave, just leave. That's a great, I mean, when we've gone on this a lot, but it's, and I think I've, I'm, it's always balancing the hours and also wanting to kind of leave when I'm up. As long as I get the hours that I meant to get, which is I knew exactly when I was planning on leaving. It's a, uh, I think that's kind of what I've leaned towards. So, but that was kind of a good way to make up a little bit extra time. Ended up going to Gillies and was not that impressed. It was a uh, here to break that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, not not near as much fun as I thought. Ended up going to the win after there, but we're gonna break up this Vegas trip a little bit, and because you've got a hand you wanted to get to, right? Oh man, I got it. <sighs> I got a situation to get in with you, right? Okay. Uh, now that we've been talking about poker. My memory's been jogged, so now I remember what happened this session. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so I'm playing a hand, right? We're now in a PLO hand. I get all the money in with the stone cold nuts on the turn with redraws to the better nut straight. That's a nice place to be. Get it in for a ton of money. The other guy, you know, calls. He has the same exact nuts as me, but a redraw to a flush instead of a better straight. Drills his flush, stacks me. God, that's hurtful. Puts the money right in a rack and leaves. Oh, God. That's right. super hurtful. So then I was about to leave, and then I end up staying. Um, so I was pretty annoyed. Oh, this is what it was. Okay, right, right. So I was pretty annoyed, and I was about to add on because I didn't have much money left. Okay. But I was like, eh, whatever. I'll just stay with this, like, two or 300 bucks. I get dealt ace-king the next hand. I kind of like having that two to three hundred. Like I kind of like having that stack size for Ace King here, because I mean it's one of those that if you end up shoving preflop, you're never really that bad. It's never that bad of an idea. But if you have like seven or eight hundred, all of a sudden it just becomes like a much deeper, much deeper, more complicated hand. And this was one where like I literally had the money out and put it away. I was about to add on, then got this hand dealt like. Um right when I decided I wasn't going to add on. Okay. So then it goes like, um, I'm in the big blind and, um, it goes like 20. One guy makes it 20. Another guy raises to like 45 folds back to me. I just ship it in for like 250, 200, something like that. It seems perfect. Other guy folds or the three better calls. He has pocket Kings. Um, he wants to ask to run it once or twice. I'm definitely not entertaining anything. I run it once. Um, at this point, after my chips are literally skipping out the door right next to me. That seems fair. Flop an ace. Uh, double up. If I would have added on, would have been pretty sweet. About uh, Would have stacked him there. You know, completely results oriented. But the story continues. No, no, no. Wait, wait. But the story, the story continues. Okay. This is this is leading into okay. something. This is not just me telling you how awesome it would have been if I would have added on and stacked that guy rather than just doubling up my two, 300 bucks. Okay. 
about three hands later, I get pocket aces. Um, I three bet, I get called by a guy who's super deep stacked. Um, we're going heads up to a flop. I made it like 60, he calls. Um, the flop comes seven high. He donks. I re-raise. We get all the money in on the flop, on a seven high flop. Oh, God. And how much money was it behind here? Like six or $700. So, well, I mean, yeah, I like I like this because, I mean, a lot of his overpairs are going to play this way. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he has pocket jacks. I have pocket aces on seven high flop. It's about a twelve or fourteen hundred dollar pot. Turn a jack, river a jack. Oh, you gotta be kidding me, man. Yeah. So then but then I was thinking how I wish I had added on more money that ace king hand just to get would have lost all of it three hands later. <laughs> yeah, that's a God dang, that is hurtful. I mean to get for him to turn in river quads on that hand. Yep. So then I added on for another like five or six hundred, proceeded to burn that money to the ground as I just hit nothing over and over again, but enough to like kind of call. Never really got mixed up into any big hands, just kind of one of the ones where I had good pre flop hands, but never really hit and ended up leaving with like $175. God dang. That's a. That's a rough session when you, uh, one, got it in with the nuts and a redraw on that PLO hand for him to hit the flush. And then the next, on that next one, well, I guess the ace, on the ace king, uh, technically you did suck out there, but then to get like the aces versus the jacks is super difficult. God dang, what a session. (laughs) And that was the last session I played. You've been in Vegas this whole time? I've been taking a break. That just uh, sapped all the energy out of me. I can definitely understand that. That's a uh, there are just some sessions where you need a break. Uh, you definitely need a mental break. That definitely sounds like one of them. Well, I mean, I don't know how it is with you, but I know like when I'm running bad enough, it just like I almost feel like shit's gonna go wrong even before it goes wrong. Well, what happens to me is when I'm running bad, I want to play less, which you know obviously. Um, volume call cures variance, right? But whenever I go from playing a little bit and being on a downswing to then just stopping, it feels like you're on a downswing for the whole year Uh, because you're not playing enough to really, I mean, to really cure that variance. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind (laughs) of the same way too. Like, I mean, it's hard to get motivated to go play when it feels like just like the world's falling. And I've been there and definitely never a great place to be. So, but yeah, that was my last session. Then I was like, well, I know we're going to have plenty of content for this Vegas, so I can definitely take a week off of poker because I think the game must be rigged, right? I mean, definitely (laughs) feels like it at times. The, uh, well, this is this Vegas is not going to have near as much content as you thought it was. Yeah, no, that's, I come to that realization when I talked to you on the phone and you were sick, uh, for more than 50% of it. I mean, so much more than 50% of it. It was, uh. It was a shit show. Uh, so, we, uh, so I ended up going to Treasure Island to Gillies, and I was I, like, I've been, like I say, been liking some of these country bars over here. I try that, and I was, eh, it was okay. It just the drinks were super expensive, uh, and there wasn't that much going on. 
Look, drinks expensive. Welcome to Vegas. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's all, it's a lot of things I should have like realized realized beforehand. But uh, now I did run into a local later, and she said that Mondays were really a cool time to go there. So maybe it was just the, I went and went there on the wrong day. Definitely would not have thought a Monday would have been a, the the day to go. But now I know. Uh, so I end up. For those who don't know how Vegas is uh, kind of laid out, Treasure Island's kind of close to the Wynn. So I end up going there. Wynn is I, definitely my favorite poker room in Vegas. Don't even think there's a close second anymore. Uh, so end up going over there. The big problem with uh, the Wynn is during WSOP, they don't take call-ins, and the list gets super long because it's everybody's favorite poker room just about now in Vegas. Uh, but I finally get on a table. It takes takes a good minute. Uh, in the low jack, I raise ace ten offsuit to fifteen. Uh, there are three calls. The flop is king queen three, uh, two clubs. I'm pretty much done with this. So I mean, with three calls, this what of a board. I'm pretty much. Uh, but it checks all the way three. Turn the nuts. Turn the jack. Uh, I bet 30 and then 3 call. I was kind of very shocked to get this much action from this card here. Just on the fact that, one, it seems like it, Ace-10 seems very face-up here. I mean, I would check a gutter. a jack, I mean, Jack hits it. And then nobody showed any interest on the flop. Uh... The river's a seven offsuit, doesn't change anything. I end up betting 100 into uh, about 180, just a little over half pot. And I do get a call from Queen Jack. Oh, that's nice. That's a good bet, good sizing. Yeah, he, and he did tank a little while, so I thought the, I thought the sizing was, uh, worked out pretty well. So he turned two pair, makes a lot of sense, uh, and I get the call, so it was very... Uh, that kind of started put me on a good uh, little path at the win. Uh, this one, I think, is a little bit more interesting of a hand. Under the gun limps, and then the button raises to 15. I have 9-9 nine, nine in the small blind. What do you do here? So, under the gun limps, and then they raise it to 15? Yeah, the button raises to 15. I'm pretty sure the charts or whatever say to three bet. I'm probably just calling in a nine-handed table, trying to set mine. Even though I think the better move is to three bet, but I'm probably only calling. So how I, deep are we though? How deep are we too? Well, I only had what did I buy in here with? Like maybe f I think it was like four or five hundred. I, I probably have like six hundred. He definitely had me covered, and I had probably like maybe five. 500 or so. It's close. It's a really close. I mean, I'm kind of being sold on this raising to like 50, but um, I guess I'm probably more likely just calling though. I end up making the call. Uh, and I know a lot of people are on this like small blind. You should either be uh three better folding Here's my problem. Here's the problem with it is if I get four bet and I'm in a horrible spot, which I am going to have to fold this. I was this. About to say, super easy spot, actually. You just fold. Yeah, well, when I say horrible, you're right. Super easy spot. It's just one of those that you're, you hate to fold a hand with this much equity. Uh, 
uh, especially with this much potential if you flop a set to an overpair. Uh, which aces, kings, queens, probably going to 4-bet. Uh, so I end up making the call. I had, a lot of people I brought this hand to actually did not mind this call. I thought I was going to get roasted for just calling here. Most people actually said they would call too. Uh, f the the uh, under the gun also calls. Flop is deuce, deuce, six. Well, I mean, the one thing is, I mean, you don't want to fall for the oldest trick in the book of the limp four bet or whatever from that under the gun player either, right? I mean. That's true. That's, a, that's another problem. So I feel like, you know, I feel like it's a very, I don't want to say conservative, but definitely kind of the safer route because, I mean, that's kind of an overplayed kind of move, it feels like, at low stakes. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, especially from under the gun who limps. So, and if he does three bet, I can probably call this three bet. So, uh, the flop is deuce, deuce, six. I don't do this a lot, but I have been experimenting a little bit. I donk lead for 25. I might have bet a little bit more, but okay. I like this. So, the under the gun folds, the button calls. The turn is a five, so it's now deuce, deuce, six, five. And it brings a backdoor flush draw of clubs. I bet 60. And the button calls. This is where I'm starting to get a little worried. I'm a little worried, but at the same point, he could just be tagging along with ace high and two overs. Um, I'm a little worried, but I'm not. I'm still thinking we're good here I'm until told otherwise. But... The river's a 10. Okay. I think I'm just checking, though, here. Because, like you said, I'm worried, but I still think I'm good here. I think I might be check-calling anything reasonable. I check. He bets 120. I think I just call. I mean, I think it's, I think it's fine. I folded. I do think I probably should have called here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think I like a call here because mm -hmm. that's just how he would play somehow i mean that's probably when you bet so small on the flop too is you can get tagged along by a lot of stuff you know back well, I mean, clubs. That's, it was it was over a pot a half pot size bet on the flop um one of those things where i think it's um not would not a uh, big bet compared to the pot but big bet compared to actual money oh uh, yeah i think a so. lot of these people have 15 dollars or whatever so i think they might just float around with that because like you said a lot of players don't look at pot size they look at the amount of money the bet is. That's kind of why I like a bigger bet there. But um, I don't know. I think that looks like a spot that I would try to bluff to if I'm that guy with like Queen Jack or something. I mean, I think you're right. I think given the odds, I think this was should have been a call. I mean, my theory in the moment was once I bet flop, if he might call with just overs. Once I bet turn, I think it folds out some of his just random overs. Uh, and I was like, well, now that we got to the river, if I think he does have some random over pairs here, and then every now and then he's just going to randomly hit this 10 if he is floating with overs. Uh, I mean, that's just going to be how you get $120 if you just call that floating, call the turn floating, and happen to hit one of your three outs. Sure. Well, one of six outs if you have two overs. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, well, it's one of those that I just... I, like, as I'm betting more and more, I'm trying to, like, 
size his hand down. It just seems weird for me to be like, well, he's got two random overs. But that being said, I did catch him bluffing other people quite a bit. Uh, obviously, this was after this hand. And given 120 into that pot size, I think I'm getting good enough odds that I'm probably good to call with an overpair. I, I like your... I'll, I, I'm with you. I think this should be a call. I don't know. That just seems like... Um, I don't want to say a bully line, but just kind of like one of those lines that like an aggressive player will take trying to just knock someone off that hand. I agree. That's a... Like, it, especially when checked to like that. Yeah. It's a... Well, and I think of my donk lead sometimes seems weaker than it should be there. So it's a, yeah, I I wasn't a thrill regardless if it was a good fold or not in that exact moment. I think it probably in the long run should probably be a call. Yeah. Um, I I agree with that whole analysis of that. So, uh, so one last hand here at the win, uh, I raise, there's a bunch of limpers to me on the button. This is kind of an aggressive way to play this hand. (laughs) But I raised seven nine of hearts uh, on button to twenty. Mm, I guess there's maybe one or two limpers. It couldn't have been that many for me to make it that small. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy. Let me make it super small. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's one call. The flop is seven nine ten, and I have seven nine of hearts. I bet twenty five, and he calls. Turn is a jack. Uh, I he checks. I check it behind. I mean, any eight is a straight now. There's just tons of two pairs. I don't know. I don't really. I feel like betting here is just going to inflate this pot a ton. Uh, Rivers a three. He leads twenty into me. I mean, this is just. And easily call. I mean, you're never raising, you're never folding here, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, a raise seems like overplaying this hand a shitload. I mean, and a, on a one-card straight board with, I mean, yeah, a lot a of two-pair potential. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'm probably calling. I don't know. Some people will think, like, if you raise there, you might be trying to bluff them, representing the eight, and they'll call you lighter sometimes. But it's probably overcomplicating the situation. It's probably just an easy call. Uh, Yeah, it's, I do think that might be overcomplicating. I mean, I feel like a lot of things you're just folding out. That uh, Which, I mean, he does have one hand that would be tempted maybe to, uh, to a, where he could talk himself into that. He ended up having uh, Queen Jack. Uh, he turned the jack, or he had open-ended and then turned uh, over pair. Mm-hmm. So, I think the river kind of plays itself. I still think that's a, the best play. I mean, you could definitely make an argument for maybe betting the turn. Yeah, I'm for sure betting the turn, but... Uh, but it's, I don't know, very kind of a... I think this is a hand that could easily, if a lot of money starts piling in here, I'm not really loving this hand. <laughs> You're super sad if a lot of money starts getting piled in here. <laughs> so I, I don't mind the uh, check for pot control here either. Uh, I mean, because here's the other thing. Queen Jack would be a, he could easily raise this turn and probably knock me off this hand. 
I mean, there's not going to be. He's going to have way more hands that beat me that's that are raising here, especially in Vegas that are not a. That'd be a super dicey spot if he raises there, but. So I kind of the more I was actually thinking about this, the more I actually kind of like the check on the turn. Uh, but it was nice. I ended up uh, making three hundred dollars at the win, so yeah. it was a uh, so which time. was nice because it put me up for the trip at this exact moment. And mm-hmm. at this exact moment, the trip is going great. I was having yeah. a blast. Which I say is always so weird to me that how much you're up in the trip has an effect on your happiness. But that's a conversation for a different podcast, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of weird. I mean, and like you, yeah. I mean, it's all one big session over the long term. It's like, but if I lose in these next three sessions, I'll be sad. It's just fun. <laughs> it's just, like, it's nice to know you went on the trip to Vegas and you were profitable for that time. Uh, like I said, conversation I what, for a different podcast. Because in two days, two days from this from this win trip, not gonna give two shits <laughs> if I'm profitable or not. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll pick up the rest of the. Do we even finish out the rest next time, or do we have so much pod, uh, poker that we might have to break it up into two? I don't really know. It's not that much. I mean, the poker on this trip. Fairly light for a wow. nine-day trip. Once you get sick, those notes kind of can just go wherever. I mean, yeah. if you're sick and trying to play, I mean, so. But I so, guess we'll we'll figure that out next episode. So, yeah, we'll <laughs> definitely. Be, I'll still be in Vegas. We'll know that at uh in a next episode. But and then we'll see. Yeah, go from there. Yeah, I'll see if I muster up the courage to play again. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Looking unlikely, knowing that Clint has content. We'll see though. All right, talk to you next week. <laughs> That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.